in your worship folder is an outline. It's got a whole bunch of verses on it, as well as a few fill-ins that, um, and hopefully enough space that you can write down something that God may um, say to you that's important. We're, we're jumping back. We took a break last week for the Super Bowl and talked about, um, if you weren't here, you missed it. We're not allowed to record that because it's um, copyrighted, but we had fun and we learned some stuff talking about truth and advertising. And so next time I say, if you miss a week, you miss a lot, don't miss a week because you don't want to miss a lot. We're jumping back in, at least for the moment, to our series on revolution that a lot of people made New Year's resolutions. That's a tongue twister. And... Um, many, many of you, uh, when I said this last time, I, I, saw, I saw a lot of funny looks when I said, it's now February, how are those resolutions going? And a bunch of heads went down. <laughs> because we do want change, but a resolution may work fine. I'm not against it. Perfectly okay. But maybe what we really need is a, is a revolution, a New Year's revolution. And so what we've done is we've kind of, we're going through a little bit, uh, the book of Ephesians, the first part. And the first week we talked about identity. If you're a follower of Jesus, a believer, you have an identity that, that, that it's very easy for us to forget about, to miss, and, and to think we're somewhere where we're not. We have this absolutely incredible identity in Jesus. We talked the next week about our capacity and what we can accomplish, what we can do because of Jesus and because of the Spirit in us. We talked about our security and that was one of that and the next one were two of my favorites. I love the whole idea of the fact that I didn't do anything to have a relationship with God and to get saved. Jesus did it all. I just accepted the free gift. And because of that, I have security. I, I don't have to ever worry about that. Nothing can ever separate me from the love of Christ. And that's just amazing to me. And, and last week we talked about peace, which is another biggie for me. And we all want peace. Everybody wants peace. You have relationships that don't have that kind of peace. Um, the important thing is we want in our lives the peace of God that passes all understanding. But you can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. And that's what we talked about last week. If you remember, that, or two weeks ago, this is a review if you were here. Um, um, I'm going to put my hand up, and you don't have to do this, but after I do it once, then I'm going to have you do it, okay? There is one way to peace. One way to peace by the power of the cross. That's not crossing your fingers like, I hope I have peace. That's the cross, okay? So everybody do that with me. There is one way to peace by the power of the cross. Don't forget, you can, if you forget that, it's not the end of the world. But don't forget that there is only one way to peace. And that's by the power of the cross. Today, we're looking at mystery. What's a mystery to you? Like a good thriller, you know, a good movie, good book, you know, a whodunit, some conundrum, a secret, some unsolved problem is a mystery. And maybe you're like me. For me, the biggest mystery of all is women. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay? I'm not saying it's bad. It's just a mystery to me, okay? Which reminds me. I guess I was going to say on another note, but it's kind of not another note. Wednesday's Valentine's Day, just so that you remember that. And depending on what season of life you're in at the moment, Valentine's Day can either be a real celebration of love or it can be a reminder of how unloved you're feeling. So in the spirit of that, 
Uh, just to watch a short video clip. We're not going to play a whole song today. I couldn't do a Beatles song today for mystery because the only thing that came to mind is Magical Mystery Tour. That's just too weird. I, I, even I have lines, you know. So anyhow, but we had to have something. So go ahead and watch. I, when I watched that, you know what I think of? I went to, I was going to say I went to prom. I didn't. I, I rented a tux. And I almost made it, but didn't. Because before we got there, she changed her mind and we never went. I took her home and I had a stupid tux that I had paid for. It looked like what they were wearing. <laughs> Maybe that's why, yes, makes sense. A lot of insight there, actually. Um, Here's what's going to happen. What we're going to see today is that through all of life's struggles, through all of life's hardships, you can take solace in this one continual comfort. God loves you just the way you are. And he always will. So this Valentine's Day, why don't we shift gears a little bit and focus on the most important relationship of all. And that's your relationship with Jesus. Because remember, that's number one. That's where we start. So now to Ephesians. Paul, um, when he wrote Ephesians, it was similar to some of the other things he wrote. Um, what he did is he had one thrust in the first half and then another thrust in the second half of the book. So in the first three chapters, he talks about the, the assurances for, for living the kind of life God has given us. And then in, in chapters four through six, he talks about the actions. Here's what you do about it. The calling, the conduct. I've heard it called theoretical knowledge and then practical knowledge in the end. The abstract at the beginning um, and the academic or the applied stuff at the end. The doctrine at the beginning, the implications of our Christian faith. And then the practice, the application of that to our Christian life, our unity in Christ and the unity in the body of Christ. So today, we're, we're finishing that first part. We're in chapter 3, and that's the last of the information, the doctrine, the implications before Paul embarks on specifically how to live and conduct ourselves, how to have a revolution in our lives. We've obviously already gotten a lot of practical stuff in the first four weeks, the first couple chapters, and that will also be true today. Like the other truths that we've looked at, the truth today can bring a revolution in your life if you let it. The sad thing is there are way too many Christians who don't really want it. They don't know what they're missing out on when they, when they pick and choose. They don't really hear everything that God has to say. They're satisfied with what they got. Hopefully today's message won't fall on deaf ears. I don't believe it will, because it's actually in the very DNA of Journey North Church. So, is our mystery mysterious enough? Are you ready to jump in? Here's Ephesians 3, starting in verse 1. He says, for this reason, what reason? That's what we just talked about two weeks ago in, in part 4, that they, um, the, the Gentiles from Ephesus, the believing Gentiles and the believing Jews, are now joint heirs. That was, that was what he was talking about. So that's the reason. He says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, and then in most translations, there's a dash. 
And the reason that's there is because Paul started out, for this reason, I, Paul, prisoner of, and he was literally a prisoner because he was preaching to the Gentiles. And the Jews had him arrested. That's literally why he was in jail at that point. And the scoop is, Paul was just about to pray for them. And he kind of introduces himself again. He says, for this reason, and, and that's related to what we just talked about, what he just talked about, the whole thing between the Jews and the Gentiles. And what he had been talking to them about, that they're now joint heirs, the Jews and Gentiles, was so big. It was so on his heart and mind that as soon as he kind of mentions it again, he goes into this, he does like me, it's like rabbit trail kind of things, and he goes into this, what I, what I call a powerful parenthesis. He kind of stops for a minute. And for the next 12 verses, he's going to talk about this thing that is so on his heart. So if you're taking notes, here's the first part. Here it is. The mystery is revealed. And we'll find out as we read what that is. So here's Paul's powerful, passionate parenthesis that he jumps into, starting in verse 2. Surely you've heard about the administration, and he's not asking a question. He knows they've heard about it. He says, yes, you've heard about this administration, and all that means is it's like the management of something, the stewardship of something. He says the administration of God's grace. He's there. Part of his job is to unfold that for people. And he said, you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. It was given to him to share with them, the, those Gentiles, this good news. He says, that is the mystery made known to me by, by, by revelation. This is a divine thing. It's not anything anybody could have figured out on their own. God had to reveal it. As I have already written briefly, he says in chapter 1, he mentions it in one little verse. He talks about this mystery. This was a mystery you could not solve on your own. It had to be divinely revealed. It had to be revealed by God. He said, in reading this, verse 4 then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This mystery, he says in verse 5, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. And then here's what the mystery, this mystery that was to all generations a mystery. All generations that came before, God had now revealed this to them. He revealed it to Paul, who revealed it to them in verse 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the good news, through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. This was so huge a shift in, in everybody's thinking. And Paul was the one who was appointed by God to deliver the news and share that this mystery had now been unveiled. And he was in prison for it because people didn't like this news. Verse 7, he says, I became a servant of this gospel, this good news that helps them be heirs together and members together and sharers together. He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power, he could only do it by God's power. And verse 8, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches, there's that word again, the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone. It wasn't just going to be a message to the Jews now. To make plain to everyone 
the administration of this mystery, the, the management, the, the telling of this mystery, um, which was uniting of them, the Jews and Gentiles, into one body. He said, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, meaning in the mind of God. God knew about it, but none of us did. The God, he said, who created all things, and here was his intent. His intent was that now, through the church, and when Paul says now, he's talking about this new whole thing starting the church, but he's also talking about now, because it's continued to now. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, this multifaceted wisdom of God in all its you know, countless aspects, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, in, in classical Greek, the word manifold uh, refers to um, like the beauty of an embroidered pattern or, or like a quilt kind of idea or, or the variety of colors in flowers. That's the picture they would get when they heard that word. And the manifold wisdom of God refers to this new relationship between believing Jews and Gentiles being now in one body. The church, he says, is what's meant to, to showcase to literally the entire universe God's wisdom in all its, its vivid variety as expressed in his plan of redemption. Remember we said two weeks ago the church is plan A and there is no plan B. The church is his plan. This was all, verse 11, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God knew from the beginning that he was going to do this. He just unveiled it to us here um, through Paul. Verse 12, in him and through faith in him, that's talking about Jesus from the previous verse, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. He's talking about coming to God in prayer, asking God for things. He says, we may approach him, God, with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you. Sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Remember, Paul was writing this from prison to them, and he was in prison because he preached to the Gentiles. So now what he's going to do is he's going to get back. He's going to get back, get back. I want to start singing it, but I can't, so I'm not going to. He's going to get back to where he started in verse 1 now. He's finished his little parenthesis and said this again because it's so important. And this, this parenthesis says, okay, now I can get back to what I was talking about. So first, this mystery of God is revealed. It's revealed by God to Paul. And he starts with, for this reason. And he says that again, for this reason. So now he's going back to where he was before. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. And Paul was about ready to jump in and now pray for them like he was going to do from verse 1. But I want to pause for a minute before we look at that. I want to touch a little on what we just looked at. The mystery that God revealed. Because this is just a guess. But I'm thinking that most of you hearing this today probably didn't come in struggling with the fact that the wall between the Jews and the Gentiles was broken down. Okay? God revealed that they're now united into one body in Christ. Probably not a big concern of you. Probably not something that kept you up. So just so that we're all on the same page, let me recap a little of what we've already looked at in this respect. Before this, the Gentiles that were in Ephesus and all the Gentiles, remember what we said? They were outsiders. They were separate. They were excluded. They were foreigners. They were without hope. They were without God. Remember, homeless, helpless, hopeless. 
If you weren't here, go back. If they're all online, go to iloveourchurch.com. It'll tell you how to get to them in like three or four different places. You can listen to the previous sermons. That's how they were looked at. The, these Gentiles were looked at by the Jewish believers. It's also how they looked at themselves. But now that they had believed, now that they had received and become children of God, they, they're insiders now. He said they're, they're reconciled, they're brought back together with God, fellow citizens, fellow members of the family, possessing hope and a relationship with God through Christ. So I'd like to just bring this home just a little bit for us, because that was the mystery. From time immemorial until God revealed and unveiled this glorious truth that the boundless riches of Christ were for Gentiles too, they were now together, heirs together, members together, shares together. That was a mystery that God revealed to Paul to share with them and with us. But I have to say, I'm still struggling a little bit with the mystery. Not, not the woman thing. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, yes, <laughs> but that's not what I'm talking about here. As I said, very few, if any, of you here are struggling with the whole Jew-Gentile thing, right? It's not a big issue for you. It's just not a big mystery. Here's the mystery I'm struggling with as it relates to this. I am struggling with the attitude of so many churches and so many Christians toward those people, towards broken people, towards messy people, towards non-Christians, and often even towards other Christians who are different viewing them as outsiders, as separate, excluded, okay, foreigners. And I don't know about you, but that sounds way too familiar to me when I think about that in terms of what Paul said. Here's the deal. The church, as I said, is meant to be the showcase to the entire universe to demonstrate God's wisdom in all its rich variety as expressed in his plan of redemption for all. Remember the church's plan A? There is no plan B. So we exclude somebody from the church. We're excluding somebody from God's plan when we do that. Who in the world were the Jews to look down on their nose at the Gentiles who were far from God? And who in the world are you and I to look down our noses at people in this world who are far from God? The truth is the ground is level at the foot of the cross. There's not, I'm better, you're better, they're better. The truth is you have never locked eyes with someone that Jesus didn't die for. Sin is sin. We like to think that our sin isn't as bad as somebody else's. Because it's ours, and we have the reasons and excuses for it. Theirs is always worse. Sin is sin. Forgiveness is forgiveness. Everyone around you without Christ is really only one prayer, one prayer away, one decision away from discovering the peace of God. So those of us who are Christians, those of us who have peace with God through a relationship with Christ, I, I understand. We should stand for what we believe. I'm not saying we shouldn't. We should speak the truth in love. I get that. We should also be welcoming everyone in. 
We should never turn people, we, we should never turn, we should never turn into what those Jews had become. Looking down on somebody else because they're not quite as good. You know, I, I grew up with this attitude. And, and to this day now, it sickens me. I'm in. I got it. You don't, oh well, too bad. That was the attitude. That's wrong, according to what Paul just said. Here's how we say it here. Journey North Church is a church for anyone, but not necessarily a church for everyone. That means we believe that the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is for anyone. Our church is for anyone. But we understand that that's too messy for some Christians. And I say, hey, life is messy, okay? It's who we are here at Journey North. It's why we do what we do. Sometimes people complain here, and I'm not saying don't complain. Well, I'd like to say don't complain. <laughs> There's a complaint block, complaint box, and I have two of them. One is at the top of a really tall tree around a bunch of power lines, <laughs> and the other is for summer. It's in the middle of the lake. <laughs> you can complain all you want. Sometimes people complain, and I understand it's valid, and whenever anybody says something that could be construed as a complaint, I listen because there's probably truth in that. There's probably something that I need to hear. It may not be what they're trying to communicate. It may be. I don't know, but sometimes it's valid. But I hear all the time, it's too this, it's too that, it's too loud, it's too soft, it's too fast, it's too slow. I kid you not, every single Sunday somebody tells me it's too loud, and somebody tells me that it could have been louder. Here's the thing. Here's what I've started telling people who are, they're believers. They've been walking with Jesus. And they come in, the, the music's too fast, the music's too loud. You know what my response now is? If you've heard this from me, I'm sorry, I'm not thinking of you as I say this, but here's my response. Your name's already in the book of life. It's not about you. It's about the people whose name is not in the book of life. We have a generation of people who don't want to hear the music. They want to feel it. They want to experience it. And so I, if I pick the songs, we do different songs on Sunday. I don't pick the songs because they're not about me. They're about who we're trying to reach. And we have a generation that needs Jesus. And the people that we're trying to reach with the good news are, I believe, coming because they're finding something here they're looking for. So why would I change it to something else like a place that they're not going to because it doesn't have anything they're looking for? That's why we do what we do. The mystery has been revealed by God, not the woman thing. There are some things God knows I just can't handle. <laughs> He's not even going to begin to tell me. The truth is this. Here's the mystery that's been revealed. The gospel is for all. You don't get cleaned up first. You don't get dressed up first. You don't have to behave right first. That's not the gospel. That's actually completely opposite of what the gospel is. The gospel is not that you get cleaned up and come to Jesus because you need to get cleaned up. The gospel is you can't do it, but Jesus can. And you come just as you are. And so we will always be a church that welcomes people just as they are. 
dangerous, I understand that. It's messy, I understand that. We like to say you can, you can belong before you have to behave. Because <laughs> God takes care of the behaving. Okay? Living that out, really living that out, is not always easy. You know that. Paul knew that. God knew that. So I say, how in the world do we do that? They had struggled with that for like 1,600 years, and they were having a tough time with it. We have struggled with it our whole lives. How do we do that? What's the yes but how? Here's your next fill-in. The YBH, that's yes but how. The YBH is not magical. It's not a magical mystery tour. The YBH is not magical, but it is supernatural. That's our next section of this passage. When he gets done talking about this, and he's ready to now pray for them, he understands how difficult it is and how much opposition there will be to say that the church, well, by the way, the church is for everyone. He knew the cost of that. He was in jail for saying that. So when he prays for them, he's going to tell them, here's how you do this. You want to know how to accomplish God's purposes and not yours? You want to know how to do what God wants in this whole mystery thing that's been revealed? Here's how. Verse 14. For this reason, again, same thing, that's grasping the greatness of this plan by which everyone can be joined together in Christ. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. He's going to pray for them now. And he says, I kneel before the Father, God the Father in heaven, from whom every family, every family, not just those who fit in, not just those who look like you, not just those who have the same family structure as you, not just those who dress like you, not just those who go to the same places as you. Every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And here's the prayer. Here's how we're going to be able to do this, starting in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, and God's glorious riches are unlimited. So out of his unlimited reserve of riches and power, I pray that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You see, you need God's strength to live out this mystery. You can't do it on your own. None of us can. That's why we struggle, not just in this country, but all over the world with things like racism. We, can, we, have, we are sinful people, and we need God's power to be able to overcome some of the things that we struggle with. God's riches and strength. And remember, all of God's riches and all of God's strength, if you are in Christ, they're yours. God's riches and God's strength through the Holy Spirit in your inner being. God's riches because of what the Spirit does in you. So Jesus, and here's what that really means when it says he may dwell. What what does that mean? He's just going to live there. Here's what the word dwell is. Settle down as a permanent resident. This is God's power because of the Holy Spirit so Jesus can settle down as a permanent resident in our hearts through faith. This is a tough enough task that it requires the whole Trinity 
to accomplish it in you and through you. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have to work together in you to make this work so that the church can be for everyone because that's not what our nature has us do. Our nature has us look very comfortably towards people that are like us and not so much towards people that are not like us. And here's what I see happen. I've seen it happen in, in youth groups that I've been a part of. I've seen it happen in churches. And it, it absolutely blows my mind. Hypothetically. I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. We have one of those people. They find their way in. They realize they're loved and accepted. Even though they're one of those people. They find Jesus. They meet Jesus, and their life is changed. And their life starts to get cleaned up from the inside out. They're not cleaning up so that they can fit in. Jesus is cleaning them up. And I see them get cleaned up, and I see things happen, and I see life change, and far too often. Sometimes it takes years, and sometimes it takes months. They're like, yeah, you know, this church is messy with all those people in it. <laughs> it's like, you were one of those people. If I did what you're asking me to do, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be going to heaven. It's uncomfortable and it's messy for us, any of us, to reach people that aren't like us. And we need God's power to do that. And what you need may not necessarily be what you're thinking. Here's what he says. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. That's a key. It's not just, yeah, I understand love. Get it. Love is all you need, blah, blah. It's rooted in love. Firmly established in love that you may have power. And just in case we missed it, he says it again, together with all the Lord's holy people, not just the ones that look like you, but with all of them. And here's what Paul prays that they, and I pray that you, I pray this on a regular basis for you, that you will truly and really get this. He prays that they would have the power, together with all God's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God very easy to just let that go right by. He wants you to know a love that surpasses knowledge. If it surpasses knowledge, how can I know it? Here's the thing. You need power, along with all of the church, not alone, to do three things. He says, to grasp, to know, and to be filled. Those are the three things. To grasp it means to take hold of it firmly to make it your own. It can't be somebody else's. It has to be yours. To grasp it, to make it your own, how wide and long and high and deep the love of Jesus is. But not just to grasp it, but to know it, to, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He's saying it's not just head knowledge. You can't just know the facts. To know it, this, this word, is it means especially to know something personally, firsthand, through experience. It's not just I read it in a book. It's experiential first-hand knowledge. You see, Jesus' love is total. 
It's comprehensive, says Paul, and it reaches every single corner of your experience. It's not about something you read in a book or studied in a Bible study. Got that. That's not what it's about. He said, Jesus' love is wide. It, it covers the breadth of all of our experience, and it reaches to the whole world. His love is long. That means it lasts forever. It's never going to end for you. His, it's wide, it's long, it's high. It reaches to the heights of our celebration, our elation, those good times in life. But his love is also deep. And it reaches to the depths of our discouragement and our despair. Even death. His love is comprehensive. When you feel shut out, or you feel isolated, or unwanted, or unloved, remember, you can never be lost to God's love. More than you can ever imagine He loves you. Paul wrote much of the New Testament. One-sixth of all of Paul's references to love occur in this book. It begins and ends with love. And it has to because of the subject he's talking about. It's really encouragement to love God and love others. If we truly get how wide and long and high and deep Jesus' love is for us, it will change everything. We love him because he first loved us. We love others because he loved us. We love because he first loved us. If we don't understand how much he loves us, we're not going to love people. So if, if that's what Jesus' love for us is like, what should our love for others be like? Others for whom Jesus' love is wide and long and high and deep. Others for whom Jesus died. We need to grasp we need to grasp this. We need his power, along with everyone else, to grasp it, to know it experientially, to know it in here, so that you can be filled. That's the third thing he talks about. Literally, this is to be filled um, to your individual capacity. Not empty, not partially filled, and it's not someone else's capacity. This is filled with... To, to your capacity, your potential, okay, your personal capacity, to that maximum capacity for you that is defined by God. You don't define what your capacity is, God does. And we need to be filled up to that, whatever that is. And when that happens, that's how we can live out what used to be a mystery. And if we don't have that, we're still going to be wandering around in this mystery, that's already been revealed. There's already something else we need to understand. And if we aren't filled that way, we will not do that. That brings us to the last thing. It's not magical, but it is supernatural. And when it happens, the last thing, the result is more. The result is more. And more is more than you think. Paul ends this section 
with one of my favorite passages. I'm just going to read it once, and then I'm going to comment. Now to him, after all that he's just said, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. One of the Bible study methods that we've looked at in the past here is um, one that's helped me get this verse, these two verses, more than any other method. And I'm going to share it with you. It's pretty simple. Do this. You can do this on your own. You can say, you can try this at home. It won't hurt you. What we do is we read the passage many times, but every time we read it, we emphasize a different word or phrase because it shows us something about it that's very easy to miss if we just read through it. So here's, here's what I did this week. Here's how I did it this week. When I started it, now, to him who is able, when I read that now, that's important. Because the now is, now that you know the mystery has been revealed, now that you know it's not just for you, that the church is for everyone. It's to showcase God's amazing plan of redemption, and it's not up to us to decide who can come in and who can't. Now, to him, who is that? It's Jesus, according to the context. Everything we do here is for and about Jesus. I've had people from other religions talk to me and say, we worship the same God. It's all okay. You know what my answer to them is? First of all, it's I love you because Jesus loves you. But my God is Jesus. If you say our gods are the same, my God's Jesus. Who's yours? I think it's, I say funny, but funny is not the right word. Football sports of any kind, somebody does something amazing, and if they point up, everybody's okay with that. If they say, I'm here because God said, because God is good, they're okay with that. They are not okay with someone like last week who said, I would like to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what I heard? Crickets chirping. Nothing. You can say God, and they're okay with that. They don't want to hear Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus is the answer. The reason they've been fighting over that name for 2,000 years is because everything he said is true. If it wasn't, that would have ended a long time ago. So when Paul says, now to him, that's who we're talking about. Him who is able. Jesus is able. What's he able to do? Paul's going to tell us. Now to him who is able to do, there's too many people who don't think Jesus wants to do something in their life. So they have to do it. And usually, when I get to the point where I forget that Jesus wants to do something in my life and I do it, I screw it up. Jesus is the one who's able to do it. He's able to do immeasurably more. Immeasurably more. Not just a little bit more, but immeasurably more than all we ask. And too often, all we ask for is piddly things. We don't, we don't dream God-sized dreams and ask. And he's able to do immeasurably more 
than all we ask or even imagine. And all I can think of is episode four of Star Wars. I don't know, I can imagine quite a bit. (laughs) And if you don't know what I just said, you missed it and you need to go watch Star Wars episode four and listen for Han Solo to say that. Because I'm like that, I can imagine quite a bit. And he says he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, than all we imagine, and then he explains how, according to his power. Not mine, not yours. He can do that because it's according to his power that is at, and here's, this is mind-blowing, that is at work within us. The power that created the universe and holds the stars in place is at work in me. That's why we can love people who, who we wouldn't naturally love. Because it's about him and what he does and how he's at work within us. And when we know that, then our response will be the same response as Paul's in verse 21. To him be glory. It's not me. It's him. To him be glory. In the church, that church that is plan A, that church that is the only plan to reach the entire world for Jesus. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You see, we can't do this on our own, but we have to do it. It's a mystery to me why some people just don't see that. I'm in. We're good. I actually had relatives who said that. I'm in. We're okay. Our family's Christian. We're okay. It's like... What about your neighbor? I don't know. I'm in. (laughs) What we're telling people when we make it about us is we are literally telling people, you can go to hell because I'm in. That's not the gospel. That's not acceptable. So you're in either one of two camps. You either need the gospel or you're a carrier of the gospel. Only two camps you can be in. And if you're a carrier of the gospel, your job is to reach everybody who needs the gospel. We have the ministry of reconciliation, of making peace, of bringing them back to Jesus. So if you need the gospel, that's what you need so that you don't have to feel separate, so that you don't have to feel excluded and far away and homeless and helpless and hopeless. And if you came to Journey North Church looking for something, you came to the right place. Because I can say from the depths of my heart, I love you. This church loves you and wants God's best for you. God doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to lift you up and bring you out of that so that you can be brought back together, so that you can be reconciled, a citizen, a member with a home, with a hope, um, and, and with that kind of help. And if you're looking for that kind of freedom, remember, there's only one way to peace, and that's the power of the cross. It's not about church. It's about Jesus. And so what we're looking for is real freedom. The world is not going to give us the freedom that we're looking for. The places you're looking for are not going to give it to you. Here's an example. Public service announcement here. Fifty Shades Freed. New movie coming out. I see some of you squirming. Freed, not the word that comes to my mind. 
Why would I support a film that encourages and cheers on a guy with fame and with power and money to get sex from a girl who just wants to be loved? That is not right in any universe. That's not freedom. That's the freedom the world offers. Another Star Wars quote. It's a trap! (laughs) That's not where freedom comes from. Anything the enemy offers you with the promise of freedom will only lead to to bondage and prison and, and a worse situation than you're in right now. Only Jesus can free you. So you're either on the side that you need the gospel or you're on the side that you're a carrier of it. And if you're a carrier of it because you've stepped across the line and claimed Jesus as Lord and Savior and asked him, then it's time to realize I need the power of the Trinity to help me to love people the way Jesus did, to show them how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is because I've experienced it and I know how amazing his love is for me and I want that for everybody. You're only in one of those two camps. My job as a pastor, if you're sitting on the fence, my job is to kick you off the fence. I know what side I hope you land on. But at this point, I don't care which side you land on as long as you're off the fence because you're going nowhere on the fence. Let's pray. Father, this is very hard for some and very easy for others. But I know that that we can only do this with your power, with your power in us and through us. And I ask, Father, that as we as we examine ourselves and we let your spirit shine that light into our lives, that maybe some hearing this recognize that I'm still on the outside. I'm still one of those homeless and helpless and hopeless. And I want that freedom. I want what he has to offer. I want that kind of love in my life. That it's as simple as turning to him and say, I believe you loved me that much. That you loved me so much you sent your one and only son. I believe that. I believe that what you said is true. I believe that what Jesus said is true. I believe that what Jesus said and did was for me. And that by accepting what he did on the cross as payment for my sins, I get in on his ticket. And I get that power in me. I get that spirit in me. I get that hope in me. And Father, for those who have already stepped across that line from unbelief to belief, my prayer is that we would allow that power, your power, through the Holy Spirit as we allow Christ to be firmly rooted in our lives, that our love for others would be uh, an example to the world of your love. We, We thank you, Father, for what you're doing here through Journey North Church and for what you're doing in us at Journey North Church. We love you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray.